Okay, if you would please turn to the book of Ephesians, chapter 4. I'll be reading Ephesians 4, verses 26 and 27. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Father, I am desperate for your help to deal with this passage and this topic. To deal with it well, to deal with it accurately, to be helpful to, to us, Father, and not harmful or hurtful or deceptive. So to that end, I beg that you, you, you help me in that your presence by the Spirit be with us and amongst us strongly over these next 50 to 55 minutes to the glory of Jesus and to the sanctification of our souls as your children. Amen. So as Paul is continuing through Ephesians 4 and we saw last week he began to give specifics on the Christian life what to put on how to act out and what not to act out this morning he is pleading with church members to not be used as a tool of Satan he lets us know that the devil wields the weapon of our anger to destroy. Paul writes, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Abusive anger, uncontrolled rage, Anger that is, that is acted out is the history of the destruction of many marriages and of divisions within local churches. Anger can be used by bosses, by parents, by husbands, by wives, by pastors to manipulate to intimidate and to control their subjects into submission. Oh, it's a dangerous tool in Satan's hands. But on the other hand, and there is a, another hand on this emotion called anger, is this, that Christianity is not about becoming unfeeling or unemotional to become an automaton a robot human beings that have not experienced the emotion of anger are those humans who have died in their mother's wombs so if you don't experience deep joys deep disappointments 
loss, pain, and anger, then you're not human. But if we are guided by those emotions, dragged around by them, then we are being self-destructive and we are walking according to the flesh. See, living the Christian life has all kinds of complexities and this issue of anger is not an exception. And Paul recognizes the complexity of it as he says to us, go ahead. Be angry. But, don't sin in that anger. We, we should want to experience anger. We should want to experience appropriate, righteous, godly, or good anger. And we, even when we do that, there's this warning. Don't let that good anger be turned into something bad. Sin. Good anger. What initiated it is an appropriate response. And then you let the sun go down. And that anger grows and metastasizes into other things like the sin of bitterness and the sin of unforgiveness and a growing grudge against that person. And that's how the devil gets a foothold into the life of us believers and into the life of families and into the life of churches. Now remember the context here in Ephesians 4. Beginning last week at verse 25, now Paul has made this transition connected to what he said before where he starts to lay out the specifics of what it looks like to walk the Christian life. To Take off the clothing of your old nature before new birth constantly and to put on the new clothing of, of the new creation. The old nature that he talked about represents that unregenerated nature where sinful, deceptive desires rise within every Christian. And the new nature, that is the born-again nature, represents the work of the Holy Spirit at new birth and ongoingly that is producing new desires, a new lifestyle, a new way to act out on a daily basis. Let me just go back to verse 22 and just feel the flow here now. Paul writes, Put off the old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new self. That is, the one that has been recreated after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And so, for example, put away lying. And now this morning, for example, okay, be angry. But do not sin. Be careful about it. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. And so here what we have this morning is a, another specific example of living by the new nature. 
living by the indwelling Holy Spirit, walking according to the Spirit. And one of the examples is this morning's, which is get rid of sinful anger and have good anger. Anger is not necessarily sin. It may be appropriate and good. So the world flaunts its sin. I mean, we're all part of the world, and then we came out of the world, but we live in the world. And it flaunts its sin in our culture, on its television sitcoms of 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 promoting constantly unmarital sex, belittling and mocking the church of Jesus Christ, that's worthy of anger. Now, if you're a football fan like I am, I don't know if it's on other programs, but over the last couple of weeks, there's a diamond company that has been doing fantastically beautiful commercials selling their diamonds. And in it, and they're so romantic, and then they slip in a same-sex wedding. Christians are not to work at feeling indifferent to that. No, I'm a rock. I have no emotion over it. That's not Christianity. There's a way to feel godly, appropriate, Anger. When, when professing Christians within our local churches, they walk and they, for whatever reason, decide to just start living a blatantly unbiblical, sinful life, those who are close to them around them feel a grief and an appropriate anger that they are flaunting and portraying to the world an untruth about who my Jesus is. God's our model. God hates sin. And it, because He is God and wills it, produces within Him appropriate anger against it. Paul says it this way in Romans 1. For the anger of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Now you think about it. There's a lot of unrighteousness. Child molestation. Murders. Slander that destroys a name. And and therefore, since the evil actions of God's creation, of we human beings, destroys others through those kinds of actions, does God stand back? I don't care who started it. It's not about who's right or wrong here that you happen to live in, in Russia in the 30s and you didn't agree with the communism of, of the Bolshevik party and that you're sent off to Siberia to suffer and to die at an early age. 
Is he indifferent? If he were, he would not be loving. And he would not be just. Paul writes in verse 24, So we are to put on the new self, the one that's created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. There's a sense there now, as, as, as Lindsay read from Genesis in that Christmas passage, He's coming, seed of a woman's going to smash your head, Satan. And then we find ourselves, I see that. He, Jesus, is the one. He has saved me. What happened in new birth is that He's saying you're created after His likeness. You're a chip off the old block. Therefore, we must hate sin. And we must allow sin to give rise to appropriate anger. Righteous anger is a God-given emotion. But Paul warns now, watch it, Be careful, because it's not a real sharp line at times in our lives because we're messed up. And it blurs over into sin so easily. So he says, Be cautious, of allowing good anger to be turned into sinful anger and producing bitterness and unforgiveness and a grudge and vindictiveness and retaliation, etc. But again, the goal of a Christian is not to never feel anger. That's called Buddhism. That's the goal of Buddhism. Not Christianity. The goal within, for Christians, that, that, that aim is to train our capacity for anger to be focused on the right things and for the right reasons. And so Paul says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. He doesn't mean you can only be angry so long in the winter, but longer in the summer. It's just an expression. Now you've got to be careful of what that anger is going to do to you, how you're going to deal with it, because it's not the only fruit of the Spirit. There's a lot of other fruit. And so he's saying, feel the anger, but deal with it if it can be dealt with. If it's husband and a wife, a friend, interpersonal. If there's reconciliation possible, don't wait too long. Don't let the anger linger and control you. It doesn't control me. Oh no, you don't think so. I know I'm angry. It just comes out in all kinds of passive-aggressive ways that other people might see. So he says, no. You go to your husband. And go to your friend. Go to your fellow church member and seek clarification first. Amazing how much anger could be done away with when we finally realize, oh, now I'm clear. I misinterpreted. But many times we don't. And we were sinned against. And reconciliation is possible. Therefore, forgiveness can be granted. 
Don't let the sun go down. Go ahead. Deal with it so that that doesn't just ferment and start to stink and become sinful. God's a model. And not only that, God became a human being. And the Lord Jesus, in His humanity, never sinned. But He got angry. After the Pharisees got in His face for healing the paralytic on the Sabbath, Mark 3, 5 says, And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart. When Jesus went into the temple grounds, he didn't say, Oh, excuse me. I'll do it gently. Can I turn your table over? He didn't do that. He went into the temple grounds and he flipped over the tables of the money changers and he spoke, not softly, about his father's house. And when he did that, that was perfect anger. It was sinless anger. It was righteous anger. It was human anger. If you're an actor, here's the question. How would you interpret this script if it's handed to you in Matthew 23? Would this be your rendition? Woe to you, Pharisees. You... Blind guides. Look, if anyone says, if you swear by the temple, it's nothing. But if you swear by the gold, oh, then it's really something. It's not how I would do it. Whoa! I mean, really horrific judgments are coming upon you. You blind guides. You, you who say, if anyone swears by the temple, it's nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he's bound by an oath. You blind fools. Which is greater, the gold or the temple that has made the gold sacred? That's it. I can go on because that whole passage continues to go on like that. And then one day, though, that was in his mortal life. He's coming back in his resurrection. And Revelation says he will be on a white horse. And he, that's how it says it, and he will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. Okay. This means that we who are, who are in Christ, we are to be growing into the image of Christ. 
And therefore, we should also grow in our holy, righteous anger toward evil doings. As Jesus did, we should feel anger at false philosophies of life. We should feel anger at hypocrisy. We should feel anger at doctrines of demons that are spouted and taught within the church world. We should feel anger at the murderous Islamic terrorists. We should not be emotionally indifferent when we hear of people having been spiritually abused by church leadership or sexually molested by Christians. We should feel anger at the statement after statement after statement of praise of Fidel Castro a few weeks ago that just dripped off the pens of the intellectual and governmental left throughout this world. We should feel anger at the insensitivity to those who were murdered and tortured and imprisoned for thought and the families they left behind and destroyed. And in the micro life of us, in our everyday lives, we should be angry at our own sin. Angry as Jesus instructed us in Matthew 5. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Throw it away. For it is better that you lose one member than that your whole body be thrown into hell. He says, hate your sin. And notice that Paul does not sound, to me anyway, emotionally indifferent when he writes in 1 Corinthians 5. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you. And of such a kind, it's not even tolerated among pagans. For a man is sleeping with his dad's wife. And you as a church are arrogant. Ought you not rather mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from among you. That was a righteous, an apostolic anger that propelled Paul to address the situation. So, anger is an appropriate response to our own 
battle against sin. I, I haven't fought in war. But there's got to be something about adrenaline that makes a person a better fighter. And there's something, when we let the adrenaline of anger at our own sinful nature, I think we might fight it a little more seriously. But there is also an appropriate anger against sinful actions of others who cause harm and destruction and pain, particularly to other people. Okay. Now, everything I said, oh, it's, there's a complexity <laughs> trying to live that out. Because every one of us in this room is messed up, is sinful. And we're still in the process of sanctification. And our own sin can so trick us into calling our sinful anger righteous anger. And this, therefore, is why this whole issue gets very tricky in our walk with the Lord. We must be very careful in how we categorize our anger, process the anger. Which one goes over here into that's righteous anger? And which one goes over here? That's just my sin expressing itself through anger and self-justification. At its core, say it this way, righteous, holy, good anger is a response to sin or injustice. I mean, just, usually against others. We'll get that because this is when it gets tricky when we're involved, right? You know, I, I, okay, I just, a rabbit trail went in my head and I neglected it, okay? That's good. Okay. Because when we think that others have sinned against us, which they do at times, and we may be right, and there's a just, a just feeling of of anger and offense. But, so when we think that, we need to be very slow to anger. Doesn't mean you ever reach there. But very slow to anger so that our response isn't sinful when we're caring about our soul. Some of you might know where I'm going. I'm going to go to James 1, so either go there or here. The Apostle James addresses believers with this admonition. James 1, verse 19 and 20. Let every person be quick to hear, to listen. Be slow to open their mouth to speak. To 
be slow to anger because the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. There's a difference between righteous anger, according to James also here, against actual sins and our anger that arises out of our sinful, thin skin. Or because we simply didn't get our way, our preference. So we must be, pause, pause, be slow to get angry. Because anger that that sprouts up Quickly is most likely, I'm trying to, trying to understand James here for a moment, it most likely is just human. You see, he's, has, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. He doesn't say don't ever get angry. He says be very slow to it though. So I think when James says the anger of man doesn't reach it, I think that's his way of saying what Paul's saying. The old man. It's only the old man. It's not the, the, it's not the Holy Spirit producing fruit of, of, of an anger that slowly may, okay, now we gotta, how are we going to act this out or not? When anger arises quickly, I think is James warning. Our old self can so trick us. It's its constant knee-jerk uh, self-defense mechanism my pride is hurt I am hurt I didn't get my preference why don't they hear me I know I'm right and thus it's not God's righteousness working through us but if we're sure to just move slowly wait a minute did I get this right okay, let me, I know that my life's complex is the other person's life complex be very slow be quick to hear, though, quick to listen. Okay, just hold your tongue. Make sure you're not just waiting for them to stop. You don't hear a thing to say. No, no, no. Slow to speak. Yeah, you have a patient tongue by controlling our emotions. Many times, oh, the anger, there is no anger. There's no righteous anger. Other times it seems, okay, you know what, I've done that. And we're days in and... I'm in control of it, but that anger's still there. Well, it might be the righteousness of God. Anger there. The anger of man, the old man alone, does not produce the righteousness of God. Be slow. Yeah, one more thing. When we conclude that we have actually been sinned against and we feel anger rising toward another person. Okay? This is biblical. This is, this is micro, this is toward another person. I, 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 you know. We need to make sure that that anger and that expression and how it moves us is mixed with grace with compassion, with understanding, with a looking to ourselves, as Paul says, lest we also be overtaken by sin. 
and thus trying to seek reconciliation and longing to extend forgiveness when asked. You remember Jesus' parable? He was a slave. He owned his mass, he owed his master a million dollars. And he begged him, please give me time. And the master said, not only that, I'm going to wipe out your debt totally. You owe me nothing. We're good. And he goes home. And one of his fellow slaves owed him five bucks. And about choked him to death. And had him thrown into prison. Until he paid him his five bucks. And Jesus said, hell is awaiting that guy. Because that is the life and the action of those who are not saved in Jesus. So in our righteous anger, when we are the recipients, because you also are, and we are all the ones who me out sin towards others, what they would be righteously angered toward us. But when we are the recipients of it, remember your debt that Jesus came to nail to the cross. And in the context of Ephesians 4, that's essentially what Paul says. Just a couple sentences down. Verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice but instead what? be kind to one another tender hearted forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. I think that's at the core of what Paul means when he says, okay, all right, we're not denying that anger is human and anger can be very appropriate, but I think that's what he means when he says, okay, but now, okay, don't let the sun, though, go down on your anger. Don't let it metastasize and turn into bitterness and unforgiveness, into grudge and deep divisions and self-righteousness. Because when you do, that's the handiwork of the devil. Don't give him an opportunity. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. So be angry at injustice. When you contemplate, which everyone should, understand what happened in the middle of the 20th century in the Holocaust, you better feel some anger. Over present day Islamic terrorism that blows up babies and teenagers and adults and moms and dads and grandmothers who are just shopping, you ought to feel anger. When you contemplate the history of our own country and slavery, it ought to elicit anger. The Ku Klux Klan, and even how it even 
sparsely exist today still, these knuckleheads, it ought to anger you. You, you. you contemplate the history of Jim Crow laws in the South. It should elicit anger. And the racism that is flowing from the political left today ought to anger you. Hate abortion. Hate internet pornography. Hate child molestation. On and on. In other words, Here's the plea. Before God, let us be those who... Let me feel it. Let me feel it. Let me feel it. Now, unrighteous anger is usually based on our own self-centered, I didn't get my way, sinful nature. As I contemplate my own ongoing experience of anger, I realize that much of it stems from pure selfishness, sin. The old man. It's about me, me, me. I didn't get so I get mad. I'm in a hurry. Oh, don't we love to use traffic? See, even Bob admitted that he gets angry in traffic. And there's that light. I've got to make it. And it turns red. Just everything revolves around me right now. And I forget there's a God. He's sovereign. Over that red light? Yeah. Oh, it's so hard. I'm not this, but other people, people can be this way. You're in a restaurant and you, you, know, you have an idea of exactly how you ought to be served by that waiter or waitress and you're just nasty or, and you, you're angry. It's about me. Me. Your spouse is not appropriately attentive to you today. You get angry. Children? <laughs> well, they're wonderful. But they can be annoying. They annoy us in our little lives at times, and this is peacetime and it's not peaceful, and we get angry. No, I hope that didn't come through. Don't repeat it. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Okay, all right. Okay, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> but see, so as we wrestle with this, it, one quick flag to put up in life is constantly a sin. You just have your, just bzz, 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 when anger rises quickly and explosions happen easily. And impatience just, oh, it's just always right there at the surface. It's probably it's almost always sinful anger. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 13, Love is patient. Okay, 
No, he doesn't. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no. Righteous anger over here. Forget about the fruit of patience. I don't think that's how it works. There's a way somehow to experience anger and to experience patience or not to lose your head and not to be controlled. But love is patient and it's kind. It is not arrogant. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. In Proverbs 17, verse 14, he gives a good piece of wisdom. The beginning of strife is like letting out water. So quit before the quarrel breaks out. Sinful explosions of anger in interpersonal relationships are like the Hoover Dam bursting and just destroying town after town below. And history of humanity is filled with it. Families have feuds going for years because of anger. Churches experience lines drawn in the sand and pick a side. And remember at the beginning of chapter 4 of Ephesians, this is, put this together with Paul saying in this whole unit. This is what he said there. Christians, here we go. Walk with all humility and gentleness, with patience. Okay, ooh, watch this. Okay. Connected to anger here. Bearing with one another in love. Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So he goes on to say, Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun, don't let a lot of, a lot of time go on your anger. Don't let it just continue to go and your anger continue to just be at the surface. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Give no opportunity to the devil in your anger. This passage is crucial for every Christian's walk with Jesus. And I mean that. People express anger in different ways. Some, we, are clear. We can't, it's really hard to even fake it with our facial expression. Others can repress it and it come out in passive aggressive ways. Or hmm, aloofness, distance. But some of us deal with anger absolutely much more than others. But this little pass, these two verses, these are refrigerator verses. These are be angry, but do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't give the devil an opportunity. So whether 
we deal with it in one way or whether we're over here and you're just a pure hothead. This passage is extremely important for every one of us. And so, as I'm closing, let me just give a few ongoing strategies on how to better walk in this. First, is know that, okay, yes, anger is real. We all get angry and we should get angry at something. Shouldn't get angry. Okay, it's this. We are to be in control of our anger and not let our anger control us. And then all the people that are in anger management classes raise their hand and say, that's very unhelpful because that's my entire problem. I'm a hothead. I have a short fuse. How is that going to help me? Say, control your anger. I can't control my anger. Wrong. Can. If a billionaire walked up to the one who says, I cannot control it, that's my whole problem, I'm a hothead. If a billionaire walked up to him and said, I'm going to give you tax-free a gift, of one million dollars if you can go for one month without any outbursts of anger. It is amazing how spiritually disciplined that person would be. Oh, I'm sorry, fleshly disciplined. He, he would probably, if he's wise and wasn't going to do it, he would have his his, what are the, uh, uh, what's a cell phone call? What's it called? Smartphone. That smartphone would, would every two minutes say, one million dollars, one million dollars, there's your hope. Look to that, look to that, put your anchor in that. Why do you look at me like this? That's what he would do. He'd have to constantly be reminded, no, 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 no. Don't sin in your anger. Control your anger. He put it on the refrigerators, all over the walls, on his, goodness gracious, just on the steering wheel of his car, because he's followed by the cameras of reality TV for a month. If he can get through one month, I bet he'd do it. And that proves he could control it. Just from the flesh. And for worldly gain. And now Paul says, we, yes, we all have different struggles. We all are made differently by God, come out of the womb. We have different life experiences. We have different patterns of sin that cause some of us struggles in one area that other persons can never imagine the difficulty because they don't struggle with it that way. But having said that, Paul then says, all of us who are in Christ have become new creatures. We have a new nature fight that all. We have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. We have, he said, remember, the Scripture to constantly reorient the spirit of our thinking, of our minds. And walking by the Spirit for the Christian means turning away from selfishness that produces sinful anger and to turn to the fruit of self-control. So don't let anger control you. 
Let it be. Examine it. Watch it. Pray God sanctifies it. But don't lose the fruit of self-control. Secondly, wake up every day and know the truth. We're all sinners. And much of our irritation, much of our anger is sinful, not righteous. No, no, I'm angry because I kept having this dialogue with that brother in Christ over these few theological issues. And I mean, I debated him under the table and the idiot still won't agree with me. That's probably all about you. Pride's hurt. Somehow your theology became not about God, but about pride and about you. It's not righteous anger. So we need to constantly be examining whether our anger is against actual injustice, actual sin, or whether it's just because our pride is hurt, or just because we are not getting our way. Let me, let me read a short little story from Tim Challies that I think it was on Friday morning. Oh, that's good. I'm preaching on that. So Tim Challies is a blogger. Some of you may know. He writes, I love it when Eileen, that's his wife, greets me when I get home from work. It makes me feel good because it makes me feel loved. But here's the thing. Running to the front door to greet me isn't the first thing on her list of priorities. She gets busy with life. And often when I get home, there's no welcoming committee with signs and balloons and a brass band. It's right in this moment that I can find myself getting angry. I don't blow up and yell and scream and throw my computer bag across the room. Instead, I sulk. I get angry, but try to pretty it up by letting it be that brooding anger instead of that explosive anger. When Eileen does see me and does come give me that hug, I tighten up and move away. Has she sinned? Did she sin against God? Of course not. She hasn't sinned. She just hasn't accounted for one of my petty preferences. In that moment... I'm making a moral judgment as if I am God. As if I'm the one who makes the rules that govern this world. Eileen has not conformed to the law of Tim. And this is the source of my displeasure. I've elevated myself to God's place so that against me, me only, has she sinned and done what is evil in my sight. And then he ends with this. Righteous anger 
reacts against actual sin. Not a violation of my desires or preferences. Food for thought. And so then, let's say that, yeah, we're all sinned against and we all sin against others. So, you're, on the, re- you're the reception of it. Your anger that rises is righteous. Okay, pray. First, pray, Father, am I to do anything about this or not? Is there a course of action that makes sense and would be wise? Maybe. Here, maybe not. Say, a husband is not nurturing his wife. And then over time, anger just grows in her, his sin of disobedience to Jesus. Okay. And I say, turn that into prayer always first. Turn it into prayer for the, for the Holy Spirit to cause any anger that's not calm and in control to be calmed down so that in your tender kindness you can communicate through words instead of going off the handle. You can communicate in words of care and concern by the power of the Spirit to him doesn't mean you'll change immediately but that's how we are to take the anger not let what's appropriate turn into the own sin and bitterness and regret but to pray don't let interpersonal anger within families within church don't let it be about Winning. Just mad because they don't see that I'm right. And I've got to win. Got to win. Let righteous anger, let your sinful anger. Let anger itself, let the topic of anger that we've explored this morning, let it be a gift. Let it be about growing up in Christ and helping each other grow in patience, in kindness, and in forgiveness. And if the anger we feel is good anger, is righteous anger, then we still, this is the final thing, know, is that fitting in with the rest of the fruit of the Spirit that is elucidated in the New Testament. It's a good check on our anger. Just as I'm closing, listen to how Paul talks to Timothy and he says, Timothy, have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. When you start to realize that's ignorant, that's stupid, what is this about? What's the end? Why would I get angry and start to get in a quarrel? He says, Timothy, don't be that kind of person. You know that they, those types of people, breed quarrels. Intellectual word battles, fights. 
And he says, And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to everyone. Able to explain or teach. Patiently enduring evil. And correcting his opponents with gentleness. And so the Holy Spirit, through the Apostle Paul, says to us, to every one of us who name him as Savior, be angry. And do not, in your anger, let it turn into sin. And don't wait too long. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Give no opportunity for the devil. Father, thank you that in the midst of the Christian life, of battling sin, and all these things we are to put off that your servant Paul is listing in chapter 4, we can do this every day waking up knowing your mercies are, are good. We do this as those who have been justified, who have been made right with you, who have been acquitted of all sin. And thus we freely and joyfully fight. We can joyfully be angry at our sin and battle it every day. Oh, Father, we thank You that the battle is won. And therefore, throughout this trench warfare of this life, there is nothing, nothing that can separate us from Your love, Your eternal love, Your electing love, Your saving love, Your justifying love, Your future resurrection love from us who are in Christ Jesus. We thank You for such a glorious Savior and salvation.